0: welcome to Cooper talk I'm your host Steve Cooper and remember I'm only as hip as my guest not to tell you it's uh, it's sort of a special day for me today because I'm wearing my uh, Stockton College shirt I went to Richard Stockton College in New Jersey which when I went it was called Stockton State College in New Jersey and I graduated in 86 well as this airs today they're actually becoming a university and and that's odd because it was such a nice little place in the nestled it used to be nestled in the the Pine Barrens in New Jersey and now this university I think we're gonna be start like become like Rutgers I hope I hope it doesn't change the attitude because it was always great. The attitude was people who, was, who were just laid back. It was a liberal arts college. And even though a lot of us ended up getting Bachelor of Sciences, it just had a great feel. So hopefully this university won't change it. But you know what? The guys that went there with Stuart Rosenthal and all those guys, Bennett Lowe, who would have thought that when we went to Stockton State College, it would now be Richard Stockton University. Anyway, enough about that. I have a great guest today, a prolific actor in, in TV Screen stage does a show in Glendale every year, the Christmas Carol. You know, he just he's got so much range. I actually saw him this Christmas. I saw him in a Grumpy Cat. I was watching it, and I, I me and Joanne loved that movie. And the town he's from is the first paid comedy gig I ever got was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, at a bar called the Fun House. And I remember they paid us forty bucks, and we were so excited. And right next to the Fun House was this little crappy hot dog stand that had the best chili dogs and pierogies and i still remember that but my guest today is dan Robuck. how are you doing dad
1: hey, thank you hold on before steve let me just thank those drummers hey you guys did a great job thanks sure. for for uh that i've never i've never seen 14 drummers in a studio before thank you okay we'll see you guys Bye bye.
0: Yeah, it's, oh. it's a small studio. They just they jam themselves in. They're,
1: that's just amazing. how They do that little drummer thing live. I, know. I always thought when I listened to the Steve, <laughs> I thought that was a recording or something. But that's that was impressive. So you're talking, by the way, about Pete's hot dogs. I can I can tell you that right now. Okay. That's that's the hot dog stand near the Fun House. Uh, and we uh, we make a point of going when we're in Bethlehem. We, we you've got to hit the hot dog. There's the the triumvirate. There's Pete's hot dogs, Potsy's hot dogs. And Yacko's Hot Dogs. Yacko's is actually in Allentown, but we go there anyway. Uh, Potts, he's closer to my house. Kind of an old-town favorite. Pete's delicious. But this is these are three. If you don't, if you don't need any other reason to go to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, you should just go for
0: the hot dogs. Well, that's what the guy said. We did the show at the Funhouse, which I guess was sort of a biker bar, which we didn't know. And everyone's like, you know, it's a tough joint. And we went and made comedy. And it was a fun crowd, but my buddy's like, hey, we gotta go, and we, there was like a guy and and you know it's funny cause I watched the s n l thing when they showed the old hamburger 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 sketch. Yeah. It was the same thing the guy on the grill smoking the cigarette yes. and I think that actually made the hot dogs better. I think it a yeah, little the, uh, the, the with, ash sure the ash
1: makes it better. Listen, we have a place in Burbank called chili Johns, and uh, uh, things have changed there unfortunately uh Some of the the more colorful characters no longer work there. The the fellow who does is uh, as great a guy as there is. But uh, I used to go in there just to be insulted by a girl named Steph. She loved...
0: She loved insulting me, and it made the chili better. I need to go. I drive by there all the time. Oh, you I've never in, been there. It's the oldest restaurant in Burbank. It was built in 44. Okay, I have to, because I drive by, now. I always go, wait a second. got to stop there, and there's a place called, uh, I think, Steve's on Magnolia that's on the right-hand side. It seems like it's hardly ever open.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's another. I've never... Oh, ah, boy. And this is bad. I feel all all your listeners around the world, they're just thinking... Are well, these two hugely they, fat men? No, we are. People, is,
0: Dan, Dan's, Dan's in good shape. I'm, I'm the, I'm since I, I forgot my Fitbit today. I'm thrown off. I'm down to 162. That's the latest I've been since college. He's and, 162. Uh, oddly, he's six foot
1: seven. Yeah. So he looks, <laughs> he looks like he's, he's from Zimbabwe. Now here, I, I to, Can I say one other thing that's yeah, kind of sure. bothering me now? They, he told me it was a morning radio show, so I went out. I'm wearing a morning suit. I got this tuxedo. I mean, I look really great, and the guy's just sitting here. He's
0: not. He's wearing jeans. I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Dan. Why am I, he, I wearing, wearing this Dan's tuxedo? Hat, and it's powder blue, which is amazing. Yeah, honestly.
1: no, finding that,
0: finding that in February, not easy. Now I got to ask you. Yeah. You now you graduated Bethlehem Catholic. You went to yes. a Catholic school, so you probably grew up in a Catholic upbringing. I did. And now. How Especially in Bethlehem, because Bethlehem a small city, not too far from Philly. When did you know? Did you know at a young age you wanted to get into acting? I mean, I, I heard you did magic tricks when you were younger. Yeah, dude. I st- honestly, I, I've had such a strange life. There's a picture
1: of me in a cardboard television. Evidently, I talked about being on television constantly. Okay. As a child. I mean, seven years old. We so can tell that's when the picture was taken. And I'm in a cardboard television because... My my mom said that I always sorry about being on TV, so they got me this thing from Montgomery Ward, and um, I've I don't know I I didn't know how I was going to get on television. I'm going to be perfectly frank, I didn't know what. You remember in the '70s, '60s, '70s. Entertainers uh, moved between mediums. John Wayne was in True Grit, but he was also doing comedy on Bob Hope. Right. You know what I mean. Dick Van Dyke was in the Dick Van Dyke Show, and he was in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and he
0: was in. And all the roasts they always all had the, ro- the roasts. the yes, Right. You know.
1: And you'd see Orson Welles on the roast making jokes. So th- th- it was a time when I didn't know what I would be. I was uh, first. I was a ventriloquist. I had a Danny O'Day dummy. And then I was um, a, uh impressionist. Uh, a very big influence on me in the early days was a TV show called Copycats. That was Rich Little, Frank Corshin, George Callis, um, these fantastic comedians who did impressions, impersonations. Which, by the way, we don't really have anymore because, you know, with all due respect, you know, do Ben Affleck. Right. You I know am- what I mean? Like, we don't... I, I, that's not... Please don't... Mr. Affleck, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are. Don't be don't be insulted by that. But I mean, you know, we don't have characters like we had you know in the day so I did impressions and then uh, then I did magic and then I was in a circus of all things I was a
0: a clown in a circus you know was it like one of the circuses where you get like a Dorney Park no (laughs) was it traveling
1: it was we traveled the northeast area it was a Lions all-star circus funded and you know sponsored by the Lions Club which was like a Kiwanis okay yeah A rotary organization, excuse me, in each town. So I was in the circus. My mom used to help sell the advertising and. She she knew it's something I'd love, so I ended up as a clown. Then I did magic shows, and then I was a comedian,
0: and then I moved to California. There. That's it. That's all I have to say. What brought you? What made you know you had to move to L.A.? How old were you when you said, you know, I want to really pursue this? I mean, because it's it's such a big move, especially coming from From the East Coast. It's it's huge, because you're sitting there going, most of us were never there. I was never in L.A. before I moved here. And you sit there, and you go wait, we know nothing about it. And we see on TV that it's such a bad place. When you get out of here, it's not. Like, New York City back then was so much worse. Oh, yeah, no,
1: New York City then was, you know, the crime rate was, that was was the joke. They couldn't clean up New York. Um, You know, because I, I had been doing a lot of plays, I play, 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 I was probably in, with no exaggeration, I was in or directed or stage crew or wrote, 40 50 plays from the time i was 14 till the time i was 20 um and uh i just at some point decided i wanted you know instead of going to new york i wanted to go to la i know the specific moment i i can tell you this when that that coalesced was i was in new york visiting a pal uh over valentine's day in probably 1982 and they snowed so badly that they shut down Broadway. I had never seen anything like it. Like the Broadway shows That's crazy. Shut down. And I thought, I don't wanna be in snow anymore. And conversely, here we are, I was sending pictures back Saturday. I was writing something and there was an ice cream truck going down my street at ten thirty
0: in the morning. It was so hot. I know, I believe at ten thirty in the morning. I was Saturday exactly too. Saturday me and Joanne took a walk. We went to a Uh, We went to Starbucks because we went, we said, you know, it's Valentine's Day. We'd eaten and, you know, we just went on Starbucks. Of course, was always busy. So we went to the coffee bean on Magnolia. Oh, yeah. I mean, on uh, San Fernando. But that's the thing. We're sitting there and, you know, she got a text from her brother. And and this is like four four o'clock. And I have a T-shirt and shorts on. And I'm sitting there and her brother's saying, oh, yeah, it's because he lives in Highland New Jersey. It's like, oh, it's it's two. (laughs) And you sit there and I look at the forecast because we're going to Florida on Saturday. And I'm like, wait a second. It's... It's warmer out here than it's going to be in Florida. I mean, yesterday was the same thing. It's so warm, and once you move out of here, you're spoiled. Yeah. Why do I don't? I mean, I you know that
1: we'd Steve would probably do the same thing. If somebody calls me and says it's two, and I'm like, yeah, you're too stupid to come here. Exactly. Because because once, <laughs> but by the way, uh, let's we should start telling
0: people that it's terrible. No, it's terrible here. No, you telling. don't want to be here. No, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. like you know, Africa rent, hot rent rent and everything will go up. You yeah. don't want to come out. Everything's too high priced out yeah, here.
1: Yeah, and there's earthquakes. Oh my god. Oh, gosh, remember the earthquakes?
0: Now, what it's okay. I want to ask you because yeah, you you you're from snow because you grew snow, up in Bethlehem. Yes. To me, and I felt earthquakes. I wasn't here for the big one, but all the other ones I felt are sort of dinky. Like like snow is so much worse to me than the what you an earthquake bothers you for like eight seconds and then yeah and then you call somebody yeah everybody yeah. called oh to feel that you yeah. call somebody so i mean you yeah
1: snow lasts for like eight months <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're in minnesota it starts snowing sometime in uh oh. starts start snowing august. In, <laughs> like august yeah and it goes till <laughs> about july uh now now we'll get the calls from minnesota how yeah. dare you so you moved
0: out here never <laughs> being me. never being oh. here before so did you drive
1: across i did you? i was uh, my first and sainted wife uh leslie and I drove from Pennsylvania to here in a, uh, a Chevette. You know, that's about the size of this. Uh, <laughs> this it's, it's, not, it's not a Venti. It's like a grande <laughs> Starbucks cup. We drove across with everything we owned, and which all fit because, you know, we were young, into this Chevette. And we drove across country and didn't know anything. And, and I knew that the first day I got here, I had to join AFTRA. So that I could eventually join SAG. Because if you were an AFTRA a year and you got some under five, you could join SAG. I had learned that. How? I don't know. There was no internet, obviously. Right, exactly.
0: I mean, that's 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 so really crazy.
1: I had to, like, I'm sure go f- somewhere, figure this stuff out. I remember the first day we knew we had to get uh, California IDs. Uh, we knew that. So we went to the DMV in Hollywood, my first wife and I. And we're standing there in this DMV, and the beautiful Gina Davis walks in to the DMV down like on whatever Cole right yeah in Cole. Hollywood, and uh, and she's you know I had seen her on TV. She's literally the first star that I see, and uh, it's wow. twelve seconds after I get into town. And of all the people there, she walks up to to us and says where do you get a driver's license? Now, we were standing under a sign that was about 14 by 14 (laughs) feet that said "Driver license here. So she got in line behind us, and, you know, we said, where should we live? I mean, I remember that she said, well, you don't want to live in Hollywood. You should live in the valley. I never even heard the term. Uh, And uh, so we looked for a house or a place in the valley and realized we couldn't afford it, so we ended up in Hollywood. And, uh, (laughs) jeez.
0: Hasn't Hollywood changed? Think about, you know, you were here Excuse back then, and I, I lived in Hollywood 15 years ago, and since then it's changed a lot, but when you were here, Hollywood was like, you know, there were some really crappy areas, and the thing is, everyone thinks, oh, Hollywood Boulevard. Back then, Hollywood Boulevard, you don't want to walk out it. It was all these tacky, those those uh, souvenir stores. And it was just, it was disgusting. But
1: even imagine 15 years before that. Right. That's when I got here. You know what was strange? On Hollywood Boulevard, and I can tell you it happened five times, six times. I was on Hollywood Boulevard a lot because the last day job I had was on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, I wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I was working at a video store. Um, or uh, Actually, I guess the last day job was working for a film market research, but that was also on Hollywood Boulevard. Anyway, in 1984, you would walk down Hollywood Boulevard, and I'd, I'd be able to go, oh dude, 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 you're on two episodes of The Odd Couple. You deliver a telegram in one, and the people would be like, oh my god. How do you, like... There was no IMDb. There was no right. watching something on DVD. That was just through attrition. Me watching shows so much because I was such a freak for movies and TV that I knew these people. And then, literally within two years, the uh, music in, MIT came in just right. south of Hollywood Boulevard. That was MTV was getting big then, right? So everybody wanted to be a musician. So MIT Percussion Institute. All of a sudden, all the old actors were gone. And Hollywood Boulevard was wall-to-wall, wall-to-wall, wannabe rock stars. Okay. Overnight. Overnight it changed. But in, the, in that day, there was still, uh, you know, music stores on Hollywood Boulevard. There were still legitimate, not touristy things. There were legitimate... Um, I, how would I say like uh, 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 destination? Uh, yeah, that, uh, it was desti- like it every was,
0: musician in town would go to this music. It was store. a cool. It was yeah. it was hip then. It was yeah. before that it came in and became very touristy. So you, you- <clears throat>
1: excuse me. By the way, I'm. Not, it sounds like I'm doing a Michael Manson impression. I've had this. I did this episode of Grimm two months ago, and I haven't had my voice since. Did they did they put in you know, a lot of makeup on Grimm? They did the first time. That they figured it out that nerds like me who like makeup we're, were a problem because we cost too much money because I'm like I'll wear the makeup but then they also got to put on the stunt man, and that's five hours for my makeup five hours for his makeup but they have a great makeup man Barney Berman he does all their stuff um, but uh, no this time I was it was just uh,
0: computer generated I want to talk about your career more but I want all to go right. into it real quick I want to go into uh, I, I watched your uh, the, the short my brother Dan oh Daniel my brother, Daniel, brother. now Daniel I, I, my brother I know Rob talks about it you're you're a huge, huge like horror movie fan. Yes, Steve. Now now when did that <coughs> when did that fascination start? Did you watch Wee Willie Weber when you were growing <laughs> up? Did you watch him? Wait, hold on. Wee Willie Weber and Doctor Shock. <laughs> yes, Doctor Shock. Doctor Shock. Uh, these are we're 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 and, uh, dating ourselves. And who was, who was the uh, it was before Elvira? Who was the girl? There was a a, a black hair. Oh, and Vampire. Vampire in, Ph- in Philly was that in Philly? No, she, you could have maybe seen her. No, she was here.
1: Okay, she was here. Uh, that was and that was back in the fifties. She started with uh, Roland, who became Zachary. Uh, there was a redheaded lady who lived in Philly who did it too, and it wasn't. Oh, oh, I, oh that you know that would have been after I left, and okay. I know who you mean, and I. I not That would have it. been after I left, okay. and I apologize. Doctor Shock uh, was a huge influence on me as a child. I loved the horror movies, and I loved his magic, and that's why I did magic, and then ultimately kind of created this dr shocker which is most certainly an homage to dr shock uh people can go to doc and they can see all kinds of fun stuff and we've done a number of documentaries that dr shocker's hosted i did live magic shows that our mutual friend robert welch uh produced for me um and we i'm so as a child steve i don't know was it the monster movies drew me to the makeup. The makeup drew me to the actors. The actors drew me to the idea that these guys, Boris Karloff, always looked different, always sounded different, always dressed different, but was Boris Karloff? Right. I, I mean, you know, you, if you, we, you cannot reduce the man's work to Frankenstein. You know, Bela Lugosi did uh, also uh, a myriad of characters, but he was, he was. Uh, A little you know roped in by his very specific accent but you know his igor is arguably one of the greatest characters that came out of the 1930s you know and a character that lived through a few movies um so i would watch these movies and i would think how the hell do they do that uh which kind of led me to making myself up all the time which led me to watching more monster movies and that all kind
0: of my life is a weird circle Steve, honestly, well, it's cool because it's so funny because you you actually break it down that watching the movies, it may have been the fascination with the character that got you into acting, or it may have just been you know it's it's just it's cool it's a succession where you would sit them and now you have this huge collection. I'm sure in, in that movie that's all your stuff.
1: Oh yeah, in well, I had a that's true. I had a bigger collection, and if if people go out to docshocker.com and they they purchase. Uh, Dr. Shocker's fault of Horror. Uh, they could see the collection in its entirety in 3D, on video, but, uh, you know, life uh, life has a way of changing, uh, and as we get older, one day we, we think, oh, this is an anchor, that's an anchor, that's an anchor, and uh, so I went through some changes the last few years, and I had what was an enormous 3,000-square-foot, uh, that's probably wrong, maybe 1,700-square-foot museum. Okay. Um, is now reduced to you know specifically one room of the stuff I love the most, because you know I was starting to be known as the guy who had the great monster collection as opposed to what I think God wanted me to be known as, which was you know the actor the guy right. okay, you know the father let 's say the citizen the american
0: when I did was, you when did you start collecting this stuff as young. A,
1: again as a child everything started you know i my toy collection I used to say was a picture of my brain at 13 years old like if you went into my head took a picture that's what you would have seen that toy collection one year later if you would have taken the same picture it would have been debbie barrero so uh you know she was the love of my life when i was thir- 14 15. okay i mean you know i don't it's funny if debbie barrero's listening she's probably saying who is danny roebuck <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so you have this huge collection, but now yeah. I want to get back to your career. Yeah, you come out here and you start you start working. You know, you you come out. You are working on Hollywood Boulevard, uh, not in that way, people. I'm I'm working say. in a video store, and you're you're getting you know you're getting your cho Are you taking acting classes? Are you, are you getting I, you headshots know, or what are you doing? I do,
1: well, sure, you do all that stuff. Like, I mean, I can't. I I went to a place in New York and got my headshots um, before I got here, uh, and uh, you know, those days being a, a struggling actor was. Expensive, you know, each picture cost a dollar, each envelope cost 40 cents. The postage was 45 cents. You had to have a resume, that cost 10 cents. Every time you submit it for something, you know, it was like a two dollar thing. And if you submit it for 50 things, right? You know, who has a hundred dollars? Um, back in 1984, but things I was blessed, things moved relatively quickly, um, because I I'd certainly did. Uh, you know, see this destiny in front of me and I, I I did everything I could to achieve it. Um and I ended up in my first movie, this, you know, uh movie called Cave Girl in nineteen eighty four. It was the first film audition I went on and
0: So you got your first audition, you nailed I
1: got it. I got the first I went in to read for a little part and ended up with the lead. Okay.
0: So, so that's that's a great way to start.
1: And that's a great way to start as the first name on the poster uh as opposed to, you know, featuring. Um so uh, that was kind of the the beginning of it. Um, I shot I shot that movie in the fall of 1984. I got here in February 1984, and I was on location shooting a movie. And I can, if I can also pitch this, we recently put out um, Code Red uh, DVD, put out Cave Girl at 30th anniversary edition that I did a very very unique strange making of for, because I thought how many times is there an actor who who's been blessed enough to achieve what I've achieved looks back at his first movie and instead of saying uh, you know, I was there under duress I kind of celebrate the fact that we went to make this movie that isn't very good but many people enjoy it
0: well that's good and and now from there though then you uh you you start working then you end up on matlock
1: yeah well yeah it was a straight i mean it was the the progression steve was was pretty quick it was cave girl came out uh i met a guy named chuck williams who worked for a manager named Mm -hmm. wayne rice chucky got me uh, a meeting with wayne wayne took me on as a client with chuck and uh i found myself You know, I was, I got my SAG card finally on The Love Boat. Okay. Well, you got to love The Love Boat. You got to love The Love Boat. And it's good to be on it when you're starting, because if, you know, you're on it when you're ending, you know you're ending. (laughs) Um, But uh, I did The Love Boat. um, And then, you know, imagine this, I did River's Edge. Like, and so what was the thing, Cave Girl to River's Edge, you know, I remember Wayne Rice called and said, I got this script. I don't know if you want to try to play this crazy part. And I ended up with that, and I ended up with dudes, and then, you know, things, um, well, yeah. I'll let you interview me now. Well, I feel like I'm talking too much.
0: No, no, you're fine. That's not, that's why you're here, because you have the stories. <laughs> I always say people with the stories, because when you have his, his resume, you look at, you go to IMDb, you look up Dan Roebuck. I mean, it's it's like, he has like 208 credits. I mean, now that's a lot of credits. And, and the thing is, these aren't dinky credits. They're not like, you know, independent movies. Like, people go, hey, I was in this. It's like Joe's Garage. You know, these are these are great roles I want to know we're going to talk about your, that part but w- during your acting because you've acted consistently for so long in screen and TV yes, sir. when were you starting because I know you do a lot of a lot of theater work when were you starting to parlay into theater were you doing it earlier in your career or did you sit there later when you knew that you had these bookings so you didn't have to worry about well where am I going because a lot of times theater actors go well you know I got to keep the waiter job yeah. but for you because you, you you were consistent you consistently get booked I mean look at 2000 you, have, you know the West Wing Drew carry i mean yeah, there are like 15 nash bridges i mean all these flicks when did you f- start time find the time to start doing the theater more because i mean it seems you love acting so you want to use every medium whether it be you know producing or you did produce the nudes the short thing i mean when did you start really doing the, the majority of theater work because you do it a lot well thank you um for that here's
1: how the theater work you know i never i I tried to never stop when I first got here I, I went to this Glendale Center Theater uh, my second show I did was No Time for Sergeants which had made Andy Griffith you know uh, famous right. back in the 50s and uh, gave me something to talk about when I met Andy Griffith on the set of our first Matlock uh, which we'll get to in a moment but so the theater work that if, if people go they can look up my theater reel on Vimeo uh, or go to Daniel Roebuck on Facebook and it's on there um, the the there was a period where I did a few plays, and then and then it was about 20 years where I did no theater because the, two two factors. One, I didn't have the time, nor could I afford it. Because once I, I had my family, I have two beautiful children, Grace and Buster, who are 19 and 17. Once I had them, there was no time to kind of relax okay, to do the theater. Uh, it was born then. We started a theater company 28 years ago. A friend of mine's dad uh, taught at a school in Burbank, this uh, at St. Francis here in town, a, a, you know, Catholic school, and they said, "Hey, could you help us raise money for the school?" So, twenty-eight years ago or so, we did Godspell, and then we did Greece, and then through you know, an st- amazing series of events, I ended up that was my parish, and my children were going to school there. And you know, one day I said to the people around the parish, "You know, twenty years ago we used to do plays up in that hall." What? Really? Nobody remembered. Nobody had any idea. So we started a theater company there and, and have now done nine shows in a, in a row. Uh, we found a time that fits for them and me, which is around Christmas. Um, it's it's always been hard on my family, but uh, that was when we could get the hall, build a set. And because we're in Burbank, we have gorgeous sets. Right. We have, you know, we get our costumes from Glendale Costumes. We get our props from the Universal Studios prop house. Uh, we're, we got... We got literally the best of the best. Now are you all hands do you are you do you have every aspect in that? I do, you do yes. That? It was it was uh I would say that uh I definitely had I had great help. My buddy Jesse Adams helped often. Uh but for the most part uh over the years I would produce, direct, star, um I would you know, they were you would say they were vanity productions. I picked roles that I knew I could play. And then uh I was uh, asked two years ago to play Scrooge at the Glendale Center Theater because Mario Di Gregorio the the great fella who played it for almost 30 years passed away and Tim Dietline, my friend there you know asked if I do it and I said yes so that year I did that play simultaneous to the other play but we picked a play picked a different director George Stratton directed the play I play Scrooge and then did this character that only had a few scenes so I would play Scrooge all week on my two days off, I would rehearse the other play and then Scrooge closed and the other one opened.
0: Wow, I and mean, that's that's a really love for the art. I mean, that's what's great. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's just, it's a, it's you can tell you love acting. I do dude, and I got to tell you the
1: theater, I mean, look, every actor, there's nothing, there is nothing like it and when I, I I'll tell you this, when I'm on a stage or even on a sound stage, I have such a feeling that I am fulfilling uh, the promise that I had, I don't know, you know, I don't never want to scare people off with religion talk, but you know, I believe in God and I believe that God believes in me and I'm doing what he wants me to do. And when I'm making someone laugh or cry or whatever I'm doing, I got to tell you, I feel like, Oh, that's it. You know,
0: that's, that's why I'm here. Now the Scrooge part, when you play Scrooge now, as a kid, were you a big fan of a Christmas carol? Did you, I mean, cause I'm a big, I'm a big Christmas. Uh, I'm a huge Christmas person. I mean, I love the Christmas specials. Yeah. I mean, a Christmas story. Cause I look like Ralphie when I was a kid <laughs> oh, did you? I mean, I mean, that. have i have that thing and christmas even if it's uh um, mr magoo's christmas oh sure i mean i watch all of them were you a huge i mean it must have been great if you were a huge christmas oh yeah and, no i'm to play that role you know i
1: think steve you and i are nostalgists and probably people who listen to the show are nostalgists and that's you know that's the umbrella in which i collect monster toys and and i what i watch on tv and what i watch in the theater um yes i grew up and love that stuff i still have all the Rankin bass by the way uh there's a great book. I mean, just you said, Mister Magoo's Christmas Carol. Uh, there's a great, great book by Daryl Van Sitters, a, an amazing animator. A book about the Mister Magoo's Christmas Carol that is unbelievably uh, interesting and full of pictures. Um, yeah, I loved all that stuff, and and have written in the course of my life two separate Christmas movies, neither of which have been produced yet. Um, so Christmas is extremely important to me because. Again, it's the nostalgia
0: of that Christmas past. Well, I'm looking at you. You were in a movie called Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Now that Gr-
1: Grumpy Cat's worst Christmas ever. Um, I
0: bet you, if we look through that,
1: now that I'm thinking, there's a lot of Christmas, Christmas stuff.
0: Now, I'm gonna ask you the Grumpy Cat Christmas. Yeah. Now I'm gonna tell you, and I heard a lot of people were up for that part because, first of all, you know, life was. I believe well, it was in Lifetime because we watched it. You, you know, they they showed the hell out of it. Like it was, they sat there and it was. Yeah, you know, oh, it was there. Boom, movie? boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. And honestly, me and Joanne were at home, and we said, you know, and the, I, mean, I don't know a lot about the Grumpy Cat. I've seen the memes, but we said, let's watch it. And the funny thing is, you know, I posted on Facebook. I said, this is really funny. And it's, you know, because it's sort of snarky, it's sort of quirky, and people are like, "What are you an idiot? And I go, no, it's because the thing is, it wasn't written like you think it would be. Like, Grumpy Cat had the voice, and you, I mean, we're not going to give it away, but I didn't expect what happens with you. I wasn't really, I didn't think, but then you, you, you changed, you turned the tables. But what was that like when they said, hey, we want you to audition for this? Did you know, like, did you, did you know what a big phenomenon Grumpy cat no, Dude, was?
1: I, I was trying to read up on it, and I'm going to be honest, I, didn't even, I had never seen the word meme before. Okay. So if you can imagine that, there was a time when <laughs> in, if somebody would have said internet, you would be like, right. what are you talking about? I had never seen the word meme So I was trying to figure out, did the meme mean the person? Did it mean the cat? I didn't even know the context. So um, I soon realized what it was and, um, you know, accepted that uh, it would be something fun to be in. And the part was, you know, great. I've been in a lot of Lifetime movies Sometimes, well generally if you're in a Lifetime movie And you're a dude, you've killed or raped <laughs> You've done something horrible uh, So it was nice to Kind of play a stupid Barney Fife-esque Character, briefly But um, The, uh, yeah, the, I mean they, they wrote the movie That the fans of Grumpy Cat expected Do, did, did
0: the people Who weren't fans of Grumpy Cat get it? I got it. You yeah, got well. you you have got your sense of humor, right? I mean, it was it was it was fun, but now, that must have been for you though, because that had so many. It was viewed so much, and you have a young audience, you middle age. People must have started like a different crowd that would recognize you because you do a lot of episodic. So you people who would sit there and watch Lost, or you know, even like you were in Stan Hooper, or you know, all these different movies, even Matlock. You know, you were in these parts. People recognize you, you know, like when you're in CSI, or you know, I've seen you in a bunch of stuff. I was flying. It's funny, I was flying when I was by coastal for a while before Joanne moved out here. You were on it. I never watched NCIS, oh, but, was, but yeah. I, I it was on. I took Virgin, and it was like I woke up and I take it right. I could never sleep. And there was always US Airplane. Then I saw you. It was like one of those things where if you put a TV on, you know, if you if you were to watch episodic TV every day, there's a good chance they'll see you.
1: Yeah, I'm. I I think I've gotten to the point where I'm on. I'm on TV every day. My buddy Dwayne Whitaker, who you should actually have on the show, uh, he's a great character actor. Uh, we were walking down Hollywood Boulevard once and two Japanese people stepped out of a, a tourist place and said something in Japanese and then pointed at me and said Daniel Roebuck and then something else in Japanese and then we took a picture. And as we are walking away, Dwayne said... Well, we may have reached the tipping point when they <laughs> they know who you are in another country and they know your name, but they don't speak English. Um, so, what's funny about my the breadth of my career, for better for worse, you know, I always try to be different. Always learn my lesson from the Boris Karloffs. Honestly, my hair's
0: always different. My facial hair's always different. My weight. Fluctuates. Now, how do you know? Is that that must be hard? I mean, when you when you sit there, when you say your weight fluctuates, do you sit there and say some roles you have to go and you say I have to put weight on? Which as we get older, it's you know you don't want to put weight on because it's it's harder to lose. But do you sit there and, and when you see a script, you go okay, you know what? I got to drop a few for this. Or I mean, how do you decide how your physical transformation is to be? Because when you get a, a, a script, I'm sure it doesn't say, you know, six one or six well, one probably. They, no,
1: it, it never. It rarely says. I mean, that's been kind of the the the. The blessing, another blessing in my life is you know, I would read for a part that said skinny and I'd get it. Now the fact is, those those delineations are generally put in a script uh, and then uh, perpetrated through the casting process oddly because uh, when the writer wants you to remember this two characters, he said this one's skinny, this one's fat, this one's old, this one's young, this guy has gray hair. That stuff is just for the reader of the script to be able to delineate as the reading so it doesn't it's you know unless the the guy's weight is a particular issue in the story should so I've gotten a lot of parts that said you know Bill Lonnegan skinny you know and I end up with the part um but generally uh I don't my weight goes up and down I've worn fat suits for a few when I was really skinny I wore I wore patty when I played Jay Leno because he was heavier um now you know i'd have to probably wear a girdle um but uh actually so we were talking you know when grumpy cat when i was watching the the process of grumpy cat looking at pictures thinking holy god i look like my father and my father's a nice guy but i don't want to look like my father because he's already him so you know i thought i'm gonna drop weight. so that that started me on another trend i've gone up and down you know, uh, heavier than skinnier, and then. But after Grumpy came Cat, Grumpy Cat oh,
0: came out. Did uh, kids, kids? Did kids start recognizing yes, you? But like,
1: kids recognize me all the time. I'm sorry, I got off track because I'm on the Disney Channel a lot, okay. and I'm on Nickelodeon a lot, and I played. I've I've got I've got this really wide swath of of I don't know fans seems arrogant to say, but you know the older people they love their Matlock and and. Uh, People love even Nash Bridges and you know the shows that are evergreen hits like NCIS that uh the hipsters may think, uh, oh, you know, who watches that? Well
0: Everybody. Know, it's everybody never one show. Are,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, everybody watches it. It's it's huge. Um and and they put these personable actors in it. So uh yeah, I'm generally I'm generally on TV. I've figured out every day and I'm generally stopped four or five times a day with someone who says Hello, I like that. Oh, you're that guy. Or did we go to school together? Are you from Wisconsin?
0: Now, do you remember all your roles because you have such a long I mean a lot of people some people've ta- I've talked to some people who don't remember similar earlier roles. I know people who know every role every detail. I'm one of those people that remembers you know. I remember details about stuff. Like not when I did stand-up comedy, because it was so long ago, I don't really remember the shows. And there was, you know, you're doing 250, 300 shows a year. But because, and it's such a bigger production when you do TV. I mean, if you go into a town and stand-up, you do 35, 40 minutes. Right. You're not going to remember and, that. And you're but this year in a set. Do you remember, because I saw, and it's funny, because I always love, I also love when my, my guests were on Cold Case. Oh, Cold Now, Case. now <laughs> the funny thing is, because I remember one time I was sitting there, and it used to be on, like, the Ion Network. And it was a cold case marathon. They always were doing on Thursdays. And I'm watching it. And the first episode, Reed Diamond. Oh, yeah, actor, Reed Diamond. Who, who's been on the show was the killer. Yeah. And I go, and then the next episode, Robert Romanes, who's been on the show was a killer. I'm like, oh, my God. I have, Joanne's like, are you coming up? I said, no, I got to see if this, I, I want to hit the trifecta. I want to see if this <laughs> next act, this next one, this person played a killer and they've been on my show. Now, did you, did you play the killer in cold case? Do you know that? I got it now. I, I'm, I'm thinking. Because I,
1: I think I remember that I, you were mean. I may have been. I don't think I was arrested. I think I was part of because I play the old guy now. There's, there's, there's when you know that you've crossed some some <laughs> chasm in your career when you're auditioning for Cold Case. But you're the older version, <laughs> and uh, and and it was funny. They got this great actor who played me younger. I remember um, he, you know, there was the great similarity, but I would say he was, you know, fifty seventy five pounds heavier than I was, and I thought, you know, there is actually. <laughs> You know, if you go to, like, your video shelf, you could see exactly what I looked like when I was 20. So we don't have to really guess about that. But uh, I, I should shut my mouth, because I'm sure I was cast based on him, because he had the more acting to do. And then they changed my eyes. I don't remember. So the answer is, I don't remember the outcome of every show. I remember sets. I remember that on Cold Case, I was leaving literally the next day to do the first episode of Lost.
0: Okay. So... Now, Lost doesn't say because it's funny because I, I, I watched your the your uh, real you oh yeah yeah and and uh, and Lost now I didn't watch Lost Joanne loved loves Lost I like Lost. just Joanne I like to meet she, her someday. she's great she's, she sounds she, terrific and she loved she loves Lost and now for that role you get blown up yeah, now, I, now now when you signed on and first of all it shoots in Hawaii so that must have been great
1: oh yeah I I mean here's the they the the the, the truth is. I took the role, sight unseen, Carlton Cuse, who is uh, an amazing writer. I knew him from Nash Bridges. He called and said, we have this thing for you. If We'd love you to do it. It's three episodes and you die in the third episode, but you can't tell anybody that. And I said, oh, yeah, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. So they didn't send me a script. They didn't give me anything. And people say, how do you say yes to a part without a script? I said, I didn't have to read a script. I read the plane ticket. It said LAX to Honolulu. (laughs) The hell else did I need to read? So uh, when I got down there, true, true story, I got in on a Sunday, shooting on a Monday. And uh, I went to the office, and I said, could I have a script? And they said, Uh, no. I said, oh, all right. Could I have the sides? Meaning? The pages were shooting, and they said "Mm, no. And I said, "Can someone do an interpretive dance of what (laughs) expected of me?" I said, "I don't, I don't know. I'm not the best actor, but I know if you don't actually tell me what I've got to say, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it." So I had, I literally had no idea when I was in that office what, who, where, where. I had no idea, and so they did give me the two pages with my name printed across them for that first episode where I'm saying, like, you know, monsoon season is bad. And then I got to work that morning and I had never seen the show and I saw these beautiful people, Evangeline Lilly, are you kidding me? Josh Holloway, uh, you know, Matthew Five, they're all nice looking people and they're saying hi and everyone's very nice and then uh, Steve Laporte, the makeup man, starts covering my body with 15 layers of filth. Like, clean filth but my hair my (laughs) sunburn and all of a sudden I look like I've actually been in a plane crash on an island and they look like they've been in Hawaii (laughs) so that kind of started informing my character to me I thought well maybe I'm a bit of a maybe I'm a bit of a douche if I won't take a shower or jump in the water whatever these other people are doing so uh, yeah that was uh, look you gotta if Carlton Cuse calls you and says I want you to be in something. You don't have to say, is it going to be good? It's going to be good. Right. Carlton Cuse, you know, Damon Lindelof, any of those guys, you know, call. um, You know that they're the best of the best. So it's a blessing to do whatever they want. So uh, I knew I was going to die. And even in the first episode, I didn't know how I was going to die. And it wasn't until I got the third episode and read it. I thought I was maybe going to die on the boat that we were talking about. And I saw how I went and told Steve, told no one, told no one. The only ones who knew were my wife, my agent and my manager. And uh, and when I exp- the day I exploded, they put a thing in the TV guy that said I was a new character coming to the show the next season. And my mom calls me up. She goes, oh, my God, why didn't you tell me they're putting you on the show? And I said, yeah, well, you know, watch it tonight. Like, they were such masters of subterfuge. But when I blew up, I remember my little boy at the time was probably eight. He jumped, jumped, freaked out. <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying that moment.
0: Now, how did they blow you up? Because I know you, I saw you. Real, you've gotten shot. You've gotten killed. I've got a lot I've of shots. You've gotten yeah. shot. Even, and that's it's one thing when they put a squib on you and they shoot you. Yeah. But here, you blow up people. Now, it's not like it's not like one of those scenes where there's an explosion and he's running away and he's <laughs> still <you on> fire. <laughs> yeah. It's a scene where he goes. He's got his nitroglycerin and he's going. Look at this. And it's not. And it's not like a little. It's like a bow. How did they, how did they do? I mean, was it a flash? or well, yeah, was it all CGI? Or how?
1: Well, it's funny that that's a very that's a very good question because it was they uh, they put me in front of a green screen and it was hard because I had to do it's hard harder than you think to say a line like you're going to keep saying it but you're not you know what I mean like it's going to stop in the middle. So uh, they had me in front of a green screen, they had me holding a stick of dynamite that was actually wired to set off a charge because they wanted the effects guys to see a a beginning of of an explosion so they knew where to begin their effect explosion. So green screen, standing there, they're waiting for the lights, literally I'm standing wired to this thing. Everybody's cell phones are off because a cell phone could, you know, set off the charge by mistake. Everybody's And we're waiting for a cloud standing five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. I'm just standing there. Eighty-five people are staring at me. I finally pulled out my phone, which wasn't on, and pretended. I said, oh, hey, Mom. No, nothing interesting. What are you doing? You know, because it was so absurd. But so then the uh, the dynamite in my hand, actually, the tip of it exploded. And that's how I disappeared. Pretty amazing.
0: It's insane. And I want to ask you something. Now, now you, you, you do a lot of serious drama but you did uh, they did the uh, Stan Hooper with um, Brian R- Howe but, 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 was,
1: was Brian on that Brian Howe was on it he was so funny and, and of course Norm McDonald.
0: Norm McDonald, great well, what was it like because well, he's just he's hysterical oh, he's I mean so I, I've heard stories like back in the day when he was doing stand up that he was just like like someone I remember told me a story they're, they're driving with him to this gig and they're at a rest stop you know like the rest stops on the turnpike and they can't find him. They're looking everywhere, and they know they have to be at a gig. And they find him. He's just like playing a video game. Hey, what's up there? Hey, hey there. <laughs> just uh, playing a little asteroid day. A little asteroid. <laughs> very good. That's a very good impression. So, so you. Uh, yeah, what was it like yeah. doing a comedy? For well, you? it was uh, you, you know a lot of drama. I do. Well,
1: I do. I mean, I do a lot of drama. Uh, I love the comedy more. I grew up watching The Odd Couple. That's the favorite show in the Roebuck household. um uh my kids have been indoctrinated. If you ask my 17-year-old football-playing son, who the greatest comedy actor of all time, is, he's not going to say Seth Rogen uh, or whoever. Uh, he's going to say Tony Randall. Um, so that was great. That was a sitcom. Imagine this. That was a sitcom at Paramount Studios, right next to where we were on stage 20, I think, and they shot The Odd Couple on 19. That was a dream come true. I drive through the Paramount gate every day. Good morning, Mr. Roebuck. Hey, Frank. Oh, Brian. Uh, go to park in my spot and do my TV show. It was great. Uh, I don't know you know, uh, why it didn't catch on. They didn't publicize it a lot. They moved it around a lot. I don't know if Norm was really comfortable, but he was so good in
0: it. He was so good in it. And uh, I played, actually, on that, a gay guy. Well, I was going to say, you played a, a married gay couple. In yeah, the yeah. Thing, Which no one even fathomed back then that, that law would change. That must have been very different because... And it's so funny. People didn't now. People would say whatever. But back then, you think we'd have made a, a bigger splash. It's like when the for Ellen's first kiss made a big splash. I yeah. think people would have been like, "Wait a second, what's up?" and Did you have a problem because you're religious? Did you have a problem? Oh, playing Oh
1: no, right? hell no. no, no, I don't. I don't think we have more gay people at my Catholic church than I think <laughs> are in West Hollywood. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. I make no. I don't care about that. Uh, I'll tell you what was strange. We would get letters from. Gay people who wondered why we weren't more gay. I don't know how to say it. I was stunned by the response. The whole point of the joke was that we were like everyone else. Isn't that the point that we want to? Right. Isn't that the point? I would think uh, that we were, and that that was the brilliance of it. It wasn't that our being gay had nothing to do with who we were. It was just, you know, we were two guys in love with each other. Garrett Dillahunt played. my husband and uh, you, Cockburn, he, Cockburn. <laughs> he is, he is the funniest. God, he's funny. Oh my God, he's funny. He does drama. I think he's on Justified now, playing a bad guy. um But we, like the joke of it was, we were just two guys in love and. I would get notes that said, you should touch more. And I thought, well, you know, I mean, do you, are you writing that to Norm MacDonald and his wife that right. they should touch more? No, the point is that it's the point is that that's not the point that it's just who we are. I freaking love that show. God, that was a Barry Kemp show who did coach. God, is he. A, oh. that, <laughs> it's funny, you know, that moment. Now you ask, do you remember stuff? I remember that moment in time. And I remember that I thought it could never be better. These are the greatest comedy minds, the greatest actors I was working opposite. I was working on Paramount Studios. And, you know, you just wanted to go forever. But, you know, the part of me that's been in show business now 30, 30 years knew that it wouldn't. Right. Uh, and you never planned. I, I always tell the network people, you should give me a job. You should hire me to come in and talk to your your TV stars. Who are getting their first series. That should be like you have to go to driving school. You gotta sit down and talk with Danny Roebuck about, about this. Because I will tell you, don't buy a car. Don't buy a house. I would say, put your money away. I would say don't assume that this this run of thirteen weeks is going to extend past this run of thirteen weeks. And I I dude, I've guest star on more shows than anybody. I always say if you know, it is true that uh, there are stars much bigger than me, but like my old pal Keanu Reeves, I don't know. Maybe he's been on 50 sets. I've been on. 300 right right you know i've had to go 300 times to introduce myself to someone new to prove that i'm not an idiot to to like make the makeup people want to have me in their chair i do that every day but i've been on these shows with these actors who've never been on anything and they get their show and i'm on the second episode and they're already telling the dp where to put the camera and i think oh my god you'll be signing autographs at the Hollywood Collector's Show
0: in two years right don't you know and usually they are it's true it's like that it's funny and I bring this up and I brought this up a lot of shows and I know you're on NCIS and everyone says how Mark Harmon is the greatest guy and and it's amazing because there's a guy who as we said earlier NCIS is the biggest show on TV and He's been, people forget. I mean, he was even a quarterback for UCLA. Oh, yeah. This guy's been in the limelight his whole his life. His whole life. Saint Elsewhere, you know, uh, Jag, this. And that's the funny thing you say that because people always say, actors come here, always say that you walk on that set and there's, it's like heaven because everybody's at ease. And they say Mark Harmon's the nicest guy. And that's what happens. People are like that and actors want to work and actors will give a bigger. I'm sure you give a better performance when you're on the tension of being with a pricky a star. Yeah. And, and that's just what happens. It's, everyone has to know. You have to be nice for longevity. And that's just the way it is. And that's like in any business. But a lot of young actors, unfortunately, don't know that because they get this break and they think all of a sudden they're above everybody.
1: Yeah, I don't... I don't it's an odd phenomenon. I always think that... Uh you know you're an asshole or you're not and people say oh that guy became an asshole and i the truth is steve i think that the people who are like that had that tendency before and you know they got a break and they don't know how to you know they don't know how to fix it hell i was on disney channel shows with the you know, the kid, it was like being in a Twilight Zone episode with Billy Moomy. You know, the kid had so much power and people, you know, you just want to say someone needs to just run up behind them and and kill them. Right. Not really. But, but yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they they would give this power now, you know, admittedly, let's say that particular person, I won't even be gender specific, got some great help and is doing beautifully now. But, you know, these these are the things that, you know. Someone has to keep an eye on this stuff. Look at poor John Belushi. You know, he was prone to what he was prone to. And he in, in a day when somebody should have said stop. Nobody did. Right. And they you re- rewired again. If you haven't read it lately, they all knew. Oh, yeah. and they all helped. And, you know, everybody had a part in his downfall who didn't stop him. You know. Anyway, let's let's get back onto something else. I want
0: to get on. Uh, you were in Devil's Reject. Oh yeah, Rob Zombie. Now, now, what's that like being a horror guy? Yeah. And disc. And you know, Rob Zombie's a huge horror guy yeah. too. Yeah. What was that like when you got? Were you were you like lobbying for that part? Or did oh you no, say,
1: Devil's Reject. You know, it's, it's my my Rob Zombie auvoir is based on one thing and one thing only. He has Monster Toys too. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, we 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 met at a screening of an Elvira movie, and. Uh, you know, I went up to. I, I had met him once before, briefly, when a friend of mine said, "Mr. Zombie," and I was like, "Why are you calling this fellow Mr. Zombie?" I had to be explained. <laughs> had to be, Johnny Gilbert had to explain to me who the hell he was. But uh, when we met again, he said, "Yeah, Sherry said I should come say hi." So we met and we hit it off. And he's a he, beyond, a, you know, a an, an hell of an entertainer. He's a great director. So I've been in them all uh, except the first one. Um, and and I mean, imagine. Here's the thing: being in Devil's Rejects was great, you know. I'll be it briefly. Being in Halloween two and having Michael Myers kill me, you. I- All right, let me go back to being that kid at the Boyd Theater sitting next to my buddy, my best friend in the world, Scott Brunel, watching Halloween, thinking, oh my, you know, you had never seen anything
0: like that in your entire life. I remember when it came out. We we all went to the Echelon Mall with our high school girlfriends. And yeah, we didn't know. We were like, oh my God, because that was a date. Like you go to the Chick-fil-A with the Orange Julius next to it. And then you go to the movie. And the same thing, we were like... Wait a second, man! This isn't what horror movies are. Because once again, we're used to seeing them on Channel yeah. Seventeen. Yeah, we're used to seeing. crazy.
1: Doctor Shock. No, this thing. And and so then, flash forward. I can tell you the moment that uh, I was in the makeup and I had the arm and the makeup and I was that. And the camera was way down the hallway, and uh, they said, uh, you know, just uh, I was running away from it, and Tyler was wearing the mask. Tyler Maine, he comes out of the and he just yelled "Dan" so that I would knew when to turn around. I turn around and I saw he's six foot seven, with that man running toward me, dude. I almost grabbed my pants. Right,
0: <laughs> like it was like, oh god, oh god, oh, god! Um,
1: very strange.
0: We're running out of time. Oh god! But no, I want to ask you uh, this new piece you just came out with. You wrote and you directed and you. Oh Daniel my brother. How what 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 made you decide to do that? Did you all, I mean you've done you've produced and directed stuff before, right?
1: Yes, and I've I'm I'm moving toward uh, directing uh, my first feature which I hope to do back in Pennsylvania this year. Okay. Um and so uh, that came out of a friend when it he needed some film and I wrote that and then put the ending on it and shot it. Uh, I've got this new company Magic Bean Entertainment with my partner Tammy Peralta and we we are moving into more of that. Uh, we're shooting a, another one in a few weeks with Sean Whale and another actor. You're I know Sean Whale. Well, I know who he is. Yeah. I,
0: I, I think I saw him walking to the accountant here one time. Oh,
1: that, that could be. He's a he's a heck of a guy. He created this idea of this character, Dorothy, fifty years later. Like, think of this, Dorothy was the queen of oz had the greatest friends her life was in technicolor and then she's convinced to go back to kansas in the depression like what <laughs> <laughs> what, what the hell so uh that was his jumping off point so we're going to shoot another short called bump and run with him in a few weeks um yeah i'm uh you know life has been good and i hopefully i'm only half ish If anyone's listening half his way through, I got very sick a few years ago and, uh, you know, almost bought it in the middle of Iowa. Uh, And uh, God bless, God bless Iowa. They got me to a hospital in time and and got me better. Um, I thank the whole state if you're listening. Thank you. Um, And uh, I thought that was my shot to prove now to really get done like we all do. Let's get done the next 30 years. I've been directing and writing. The first thing I ever wrote, Steve, I was in first grade. And back then in St. Anne's, you didn't know how to write yet. They taught you to write in first grade. Now they send you to kindergarten knowing how to write. And uh, I drew pictures of this play and then we put the play on. And so that was the first time I wrote and directed. And that's what I want to do in my future. I, I have such a sense that
0: we're running out of time. Oh no no it's fine no it's been now but now you're also you're on Grimm you'll be on Grimm in a few weeks oh well,
1: no I was just on Grimm uh, this past weekend okay but folks I'm sure you can find it in your on demand great episode reprised uh, my role as Peter Orson. Uh got a lot of movies uh, I produced two movies last year one coming out called uh, His Neighbor Phil about Alzheimer's and uh, another is uh, at this point titled uh, Give Till It Hurts and it's a great movie. Uh, Tom Calloway movie, I play uh, a preacher in uh, a televangelist in the 1980s who goes head-to-head with my, my pal actor Dwayne Whitaker uh, over
0: his inheritance. Any uh, stage stuff coming up? Uh,
1: no, nothing on stage, but please, if you're in this area, I will be in the 50th anniversary production of Christmas Carol at the Glendale Center Theater next year. It will be the longest-running Christmas Carol in the world.
0: See I have to make it you know this year it's funny we wanted to make it and we didn't and I was like I got to I got to make it and I always cuz had told me about it and I, I saw from your Facebook page I'd seen it and even friends of mine who are friends that you know when they check in they go oh the uh, the Glendale oh, they're, I, they're, I need they're. to make it and that's the thing both of us love Christmas see I, I think we might go back east this year for Christmas but it runs for a while Well yeah we
1: open the day after Thanksgiving please put it on your agenda and uh, we're it's going to be the show's going to be bigger better uh, than it's ever been uh, and I you know, I've been you know, we're doing a version that I've been kind of writing so uh, that's You know, I'm I'm putting my my sense of humor and sense of trauma into it. You still going uh, to dark delicacies. Oh, yeah Dark delicacies uh, excellent uh, We got the great stores in Burbank dark delicacies creature features um, Halloween town um, The makeup store which is right. I mean this is a place to be if you like Secret. monsters. cinema, cinema secrets, secrets. We got everything right here in Burbank and Bob's Big Boy and Chili John's.
0: What the hell else could I, you I've, want? Have, have you been to Doghouse? A Doghouse I have been to. I uh, liked it. Yeah, nice people. I, it's, it's crazy because you sit there and you get your favorite restaurants and I went to that uh, Simsey's oh is that, yeah right across the street I, I, went I, I went with Rob we stopped we went, we actually we went to the Hollywood show oh and because uh, he, he had tickets and I said oh I'll, I'll try to recruit guests and I think I'm gonna Eric Roberts out of it uh, I'll have to get him back in touch with him. but we went it was all right we just had a beer and some fries but you know it's good Burbank you know there's so many I always say there's so many Asian influenced restaurants on Burbank there's too many like when you walk oh yeah no, I like you know you want good old American went good yeah but I want to thank you for coming on it's good thank we got you. to catch up gentlemen you are
1: now give all your just did you, you tweet I, did, I, I should and I will. Uh, get on Twitter. Yes, yeah, I like should. The Twitter. What'd it, you call me? Um, yeah,
0: oh, so you don't have a Twitter account?
1: I do, no, there's a Twitter account, but you know, someone else did it. So I'm, all right, here's my promise. I'm going to be better about that. I'm going to get on Twitter. Okay. I I ask your listeners to please join the Daniel Roebuck fan page. There's some fake fan pages. I don't know what, what that phenomena is. Who the hell wants to be me? Uh, if you want my bills and my, uh, exactly you know, my kids' college uh, bills, please let me know. I'll send them over to you. But you'll know it's me because there's actual pictures from my life on it so become fans of Daniel Roebuck that's on Facebook on Facebook Uh, go to DocShocker.com you can watch fun stuff there. See Daniel, my brother. You can see on Vimeo, type in Daniel Roebuck reel. You'll see my theater reel or my my acting reel. And you can kind of, you know, if you if you think, oh, I want to see what he looks like blowing up,
0: What's, you can see it. And once you go watch that, you'll sit there because it, it's cool because he, he does it like a movie where there's short clips. It goes, and then it goes the longer clips. And you'll sit there and go, as soon as you see it, you'll go, oh, I know that guy. And it's funny because it's one of those things where he has been in the business for 30 years. So you see the range. And he has mustaches a lot. Uh, Bob, yeah, Rob, Rob also I said, yeah. he always has mustaches. <laughs> yeah, mustaches but, are good. So check him out. Thank you so much. Check him out. And, uh, yeah, so people, go, go check him out on Facebook, the Daniel Roebuck uh, fan page, and watch his Vimeo. It's, it's good stuff. And uh, go, people, go to my new website. I have a new well. Besides, go to CooperTalk.net. I have over 340 episodes. Go to CooperTalk.net. You can check out my shows there. You can also email me at Cooper at CooperTalk.net. Tell me what guests you like to see. Uh, but also, my new website is StopTheSalt.com. As you know, when I went through congestive heart I had to change my diet, so I, I wrote my cookbook. It's out. It's available now. So if you go to StopTheSalt.com, it's a very easy cookbook. There's There's no pictures. There's a key up front, like, make this. It's basically saying... If you can't read and cook pasta and follow this direction to cook vegetables, you shouldn't be cooking because you're just stupid. There's, a, there's 120 <laughs> recipes, and it's StopTheSalt.com. And if you do order it, and it's, I, I, I was talking to my girlfriend about this, to Joanne, and I felt awful, but you know, some people want you to sign the book. So if you order it from StopTheSalt.com, I'll sign it for you. If you send me, when you pay for it, I want to sign it. If not, you, know, you can also go to Amazon and get it. It's on Amazon.com. So go get it because you know it's 120 recipes, and they're easy to make, and they're healthy, and they're good food. It's not you're not like you know what you think is healthy food. You know there are different pastas and stuff like that. So please do that. That's stopthesalt.com. Check that out. Also follow me on at Twitter at Cooper Talk. I'm on Twitter. I tweet a lot. And this Friday um, I haven't performed forever. I'll be on stage at the Capri Italian Restaurant in Glen Oaks. Probably doing like an eight minute uh, comedy set. It's been a while, but my buddy contacted me and said it come out so that's a free show starts at 9 you gotta check that out also I wanna thank the Steve Benz at WSDI Chicago the people over the 405media.com um, who else oh All Radio All Radio X with the great Brody James has some great programming I'm um, forgetting people. Joanne, these, thank no, you. They these like, these, are, like these, these are the stations, that, oh. I, the affiliates that play me the com and wildfire radio in Cherry Hill, which I'm supposed to be on. I don't know. I'll find out if it's coming on soon. So that's about it. Cooper, at CooperTalk.net, at CooperTalk. Dan Roebuck, go into Facebook, go to his theater page, stopthesalt.com, buy the book and I'll be happy, and you'll make me happy. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, have a good day. Thanks, Steve.